The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Dynamic Healing, with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing. I'm Les Aria. And I am David Hanscom, and we're excited to be here And we're going to present a series of talks on an article written in 1927, 1927, not 2007, on what's called dynamic healing. And we coined the term dynamic healing because we acknowledge that when your stresses overwhelm your coping skills, you develop symptoms. That's how the body's supposed to respond that when you're threatened or it says danger, your heart's going to raise, you're going to sweat, your inflammation goes up. And when you're in that situation while you get sick, Modern medicine is treating just the symptoms and Dr. Peabody gave a very famous lecture in 1947. And all we want to do tonight is just introduce you to Dr. Peabody because um, for me personally, he's for Les and I, he's really our hero. He's amazing. So the purpose of tonight's talk is that understanding that the dynamic healing as a term we're using in an umbrella sense is really the basis of medicine for centuries and also of true healing. It is not a new concept, but it has been buried under modern day technology. So Dr. Francis Peabody gave a lecture to medical students as published in the 1927 JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association. And it's one of the most famous papers of all time. And I just want to read you the last paragraph Then over the next few weeks, we'll be sort of pulling apart the different parts of this process, but he's amazing. And let me read this very carefully and slowly. It's a little long, is that disease in man is never exactly the same as disease in an experimental animal. For in man, the disease at once affects and is affected by what we call the emotional life. Thus, the physician who attempts to take care of the patient while he neglects this factor is as unscientific as the investigator who neglects to control all the conditions that may affect his experiment. The good physician knows his patients through and through. And this knowledge is bought dearly. Time, sympathy, and understanding must be lavishly dispensed but the reward is to be found in that personal bond, which forms the greatest satisfaction of the practice of medicine. One of the essential qualities of the clinician is interest in humanity. For the secret of the care of the patient is in caring for the patient. So less, there's a lot to be said in that article. And I just will say really briefly that 
his main emphasis was in 1927, he was worried about the interference of technology with the relationship of the patient and the doctor. This is 1927. So I think less, this is one of the most profound articles I've ever read. I actually read it all the time. It is for several reasons, because why did we actually enter this practice of wanting to help people? You know, right. uh, you as a physician, me as a psychologist, why did we actually do this? Because we start with something where we cared enough, where we got excited that we want to maybe help people. And something happens along the way because I hang out with, um, you know, lots of physicians and psychologists. And what's interesting is this, is somewhere along the way, we sometimes lose our fire, or I should say we lose our compassion. We, we basically punch in, punch out, we do things, we get irritated with certain things. From a patient's perspective, they wait for months, months before they see us. And it's very anxiety provoking, if not uh, disappointing to any discipline that cares for patients to have to have an attitude when a patient is wanting help. And then sometimes, um, as we know behind the curtain, we sometimes have uh, statements that we use, such as this is a difficult patient or the patient is too complex. The patient is not difficult or complex. It's the way we think about it. And I think what Peabody is really emphasizing is um, what is not um, really said, obviously, but is said through different mechanisms in his sentences is this, is do you have enough compassion? Do you care enough to care about the humanity or the person in front of you? Because once we stop caring, once we stop having compassion for ourselves and others, it's no longer medicine. It's no longer um, therapeutic from my perspective. It becomes destructive. Well, I did a course in 2011, a long time before I really knew about this whole healing process. And I had a pain psychologist I worked with who was just brilliant. And she kept saying, look, your patients are getting better because of me. I'm going, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm just a guy <laughs> listening. And I go, no, I'm not. And she says, yes, it is. And what had happened, I've gone through chronic pain myself. And I developed a tremendous empathy for the suffering my patients are going through. Whereas before I went to my own burnout, I actually did not have that compassion. Now, I thought I did, but I didn't. I just didn't know. But here was the deal. I put a course on in 2009 called A Course in Compassion, Empathy in the Presence of Chronic Pain. The number one factor that determines clinical success in a chronic pain situation is the relationship with your provider. I mean, you can do all sorts of techniques and books and exercises, which are important, but listening to the patient and developing their relationship is by far and away the most powerful part of the healing process. So what, what part of that data was, when I looked this up back in um, a few years ago, they did a study on pre-medical students. It's called the Jefferson Compassion Index. And they mm -hmm. found out that the average compassion score was significantly higher among pre-medical students in the general population but by the third year of residency, it had just, I'm sorry, by the third year of medical school, not including residency and fellowship, it had plummeted. And the problem is in medicine, we're under a tremendous amount of stress. We're fixated on the disease process and we're not allowed to take care of ourselves. In fact, we're actually penalized about taking care of ourselves. If you can't care for yourself, it's hard to reach out to other people and you're just trying to survive. It's a huge problem. And so ironically, physician burnout right now is about 70%, which is horrible. 
We all know when you're we all know when you're burned out in any field, including athletics and performance, that you can't perform that well. Then ironically, what actually reverses and prevents burnout is actually talking to the patients. Any thoughts on that, Les? Yeah, I think I think um, I'm going to do a play of words here, if you don't mind. Um, very well, often, do I have a choice? By the way, uh, you don't. So let's just play anyhow. <laughs> so. Um, you mean talking at patients. That's what tends to happen. A lot of very intelligent physicians, therapists, caregivers, um, how, you know, people, here, here, here's, my, here's my issue. Because um, I've done this myself, so I can speak to it, and, I've, and I catch myself more often than not. It is really crucial that what Peabody is trying to say is, is you need to care enough. In fact, it's not how much you know, it's how much you care. Right. And I think that's the essence. And at some point during this conversation here, I want to really in integrate the polyvagal theory and why that even applies to the Peabody. But I wanted to kind of make sure we emphasize this is very often when we're caught up in just getting things done, when I say we, I'm talking about providers in general, and we do consults and we do this. And I feel really bad for the, for the patient who actually gets a physician or a psychologist, a therapist, an allied health professional who actually is not present. They're just dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and it's, they're just basically, they've lost their passion. So when you lose your passion for this field of helping people, maybe you need to get the hell out. Maybe that's a harsh statement. Or maybe I need to be more compassionate to them and say this, is maybe you're burnt out and you need to care for yourself because we might be harming patients when we do not take care of ourselves. We're then in a sympathetic state. And I think you've said this before in, in different areas there, David, that when we providers do not care for ourselves, we actually become destructive in the interaction, which actually creates that sympathetic state. It creates fear. And in some sense, providers are like, they come across the, as, as an authoritarian, which could activate someone. So many of my patients have lots of trauma and they're, they're the nicest people. And, um, and when, you've got, when you've got a physician or, or, or a therapist who is very, very intense, it activates them. So you're not creating a sense of safety. And so Peabody is just really talking about that needing to have that personal bond and that ability to just really tune into this moment. And it's not so much how much, I'm going to say this one more time, David, it's not so much how much we know, it's how much we care enough Right. To be able to say is, how can I help um, alleviate what you came to see me for? And that's called compassion. By right. definition, compassion is a need or a wish to alleviate suffering in someone else. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions, which I know the answer to is that the data shows, there's two major research papers that show that the amount of suffering in chronic pain is equivalent to having terminal cancer. Yep. Two papers. In fact, one paper said that it's worse. And I get beat up about this a little bit, but the data says that it's worse. But at least in cancer, you know the diagnosis. And in chronic pain, everybody's telling, everybody's telling you that there's nothing wrong. You think you're losing your mind. And then there's no endpoint. And with cancer, you're going to make it or not. You have an endpoint. And obviously, some anxiety in between. But with chronic pain, you're not, you don't know why you're there. You don't know what's going on. There's no hope of escape. And we actually know that lack of hope is actually inflammatory. 
which actually makes the nerve conduction faster and inflames the brain and you feel the pain more. That's why he's in Dr. Peabody's article because back then he did not have the modern neuroscience research. They did not know about it. They did not know about cytokines and inflammation. They did not have functional MRI scans, but the MRI, the modern, modern neuroscience research has completely validated what he pointed out yeah. intuitively, right? He, he did. And I've got, I've got a very um, uh, uh, poignant question to ask you. So um, I know you don't do this, David, so I can, I, so I'm not, so I'm not saying you do it, but I have a question for you, David, as a physician, uh, someone who looks at MRIs and looks at scans and, you know, especially when you were in your heyday doing, you know, surgery after surgery, let me ask you this. Why do physicians, so let me represent my patients and is this, why do physicians, David, in general, when, if you look at an x-ray and you see certain um, findings, right? So let's just say it's on the spine. Why do physicians have the need to say, and this person's maybe 35 years old or 45, you have the spine of an 80 year old, for example. Tell me where in medicine, have you guys been trained to say derogatory things like, I mean, does that make someone feel better? Could you speak to that a little bit? Because that is the opposite of Peabody. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So... We're going to come off Francis Peabody for a second because, and we're not going to come back to him tonight because we'll be talking about him a lot going forward. But it brings up a tremendously difficult, poignant point in that I did everything well. So I can answer with authority because I was that person. So I have to give my colleagues a little bit of defense because I was trained that way. I labeled patients, I didn't listen to them. And what we do right from the beginning, we want to find some way to blame the patient for their disease. What? Mental, I'm, that's, that's, I'm the, David, that's the craziest kidding. thing. I'm Come not on. kidding, Les. I mean, think about this. I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, I still feel bad about this 30 years later. This one nice guy, janitor at the hospital, was horrendously overweight. And I just dressed him down verbally for 10 minutes about, of course, you have back pain. Look at you. <laughs> that was not 
very nice. So I'm just saying in general, what happens is that, okay, you come in and you're in a high-speed car accident. Well, you sort of think, well, why are you in the car accident? Or maybe there's litigation involved. So now you're a malingerer or maybe you're on opioids or you're a drug seeker. We're always trying to somehow not take responsibility ourselves for the patient's suffering. So we, even though we don't give the tools, the even though we don't give the patient the tools to accept responsibility, we still blame them. So we're constantly trying to shift the situation onto them. So what happens? I want to jump back to degeneration. That's that was a different topic. We call it the nocebo effect. So we know that placebo is the most powerful drug in the body in the universe. I mean, harnessing the body's healing capacity is huge. Mm-hmm. But equally as powerful is the nocebo effect. I spent a high percent of my career explaining to patients that disc degeneration is normal. I have a very wealthy gentleman back in New York who's a wonderful guy. He spent eight years in chronic pain. Some surgeon told him that he had the spine of an 80-year-old person. See, there we go. That's my point. So I looked at his MRI scan. I talked to him and I said, look, first of all, it's a thoracic spine. Nobody cares. That's a stable part of the body anyway. Second of all, the data is really clear that disregeneration has no effect in causing pain. None. It means you're not 20 years old anymore, but it means it doesn't mean you're 80. And even, even if your spine does look like 80 years old, it doesn't matter. That's been documented very clearly not to be a source of the pain. So he started doing the work that you and I do together. I mean, you know, the writing relaxation tools, understanding pain, et cetera. And one of the goals of our podcast, by the way. And after eight years of spending probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. This guy's one of the wealthiest human beings I know. He's fine. No pain. And then I have a question to ask you, and I don't know much about this, but I never could figure out why, you know, for instance, in voodoo and those practices, how could a witch doctor actually will somebody to die? And they do. Well, well, David, it's the same thing, right? It it is the same thing. And uh, we can really just simply dissect this um, and simply call it belief. Um, you ready for a lessism? <laughs> All right. I'm trying to think of my choices here. My option is to just go down and have dinner. <laughs> or I could become a little wiser right now. Listen or, you, or you could just kind of, David don't, David, don't fight it. Just don't, but just I don't fight it. Not to feel trapped right now. There you go. Just accept it. Remember, we need to apply acceptance. Oh Lather God. yourself with acceptance. All right, here he goes. So one of the things is your, um, relief is actually in the belief. So your beliefs play a strong role in your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, your attitudes. That's what governs all of this. When we feel, people can actually make themselves sick. And so, um, you know, not to- isn't, isn't, the, isn't the other lessism you have to feel to heal? Do I remember, do I remember you that? Do. You do, you did that very nicely, very good. Uh, so, but it was not well timed. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to uh, interrupt your profound. So, so here. yeah. So basically, is what I'm trying to say to you, David, is this is, and this goes back to the physician and the patient to stay focused on, on Peabody's message here. Is this is, is physicians, you know, not only heal thyself in the sense that take care of yourself. So when you when you interact with patients you will actually not come from a place of burnout and reactivity because that activates the nervous system of the patient. And what I'm trying to say to you and tie this all in, when physicians and treating providers send messages of danger to patients, the recipients, they believe it, much like you know, like the voodoo thing, is, is people 
look at physicians and specifically physicians. They look at physicians as the authority. It's much like a parent. And, I, and I'm not trying to raise one group up and one group down. I'm just trying to speak to the facts in my years of experience. And you know this, when you wear a lab coat and you show up there and you have an attitude, it's almost like, wow, this person knows more than me. And what I tend to do is I tend to champion for my patients is, is when you see a physician, please ask them, I've got three questions. Do you want me to ask it now or later? And then how do we address when we have questions, more questions? Because I want to empower my patients to know that they, doctors don't know everything. They are, they are experts, yes, but we are the experts of our own body. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that you no longer practice like that, David, because you would be going against Peabody's messages about caring and listening and not trying to dump knowledge and not talking at patients, but talking with patients and talking to patients. So Leslie, I wanted to summarize what you said really carefully because we, again, we're trying to unpack a lot. We're going to say focus on just this part of it. So we're introducing you to Dr. Francis Peabody, who, again, very famous lecture, 1927 Journal of the American Medical Association. He actually, unfortunately, died when he was 47 year old, but his impact has just been profound on medicine. So I wanted to just make a read a statement here from Peabody's article, but also I want you to explain why that negative diagnosis has such a profound effect. I mean, it's not because what most doctors say, well, that's psychological, right? So when you say your belief, what was there? Lessism again? Your, right. your relief. You got to think that relief. Yeah. Okay. So people say, well, that's psychological. Yeah. So I want you to explain really quickly, but I want to read this one statement first. And I, I'd like okay. you to give an explanation if you could about why that actually is translated into physiological symptoms. But let me just talk, let me read this one statement, which is fascinating. So you will find that physicians by wrong diagnosis and ill-considered statements are responsible for many a wrecked life. And you'll discover that it is much easier to make a wrong diagnosis than it is to unmake it. Is that wow. Amazing? Wow. Right. Wow. That is powerful. Read that again, please. So we can, so the audience can really say, dude, read a little slower so we can hear it. That was powerful. Okay. Well, that's what I'm so fascinated. I, I lost it, unfortunately. Go ahead. If you just explain the whole yeah, yeah. thing. Can you explain the physiology of belief, why this is not a psychological issue? Why? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, okay, you say, well, that's psychological. You just be, must be a wimp. You can't take bad news. But your belief system changes your body's physiology. Could you explain that? Oh, for us? yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the framework I tend to use is the polyvagal framework, the polyvagal theory. And um, it really ties into Peabody's um, speech and message, his commencement, his commencement speech to the Harvard medical students is, is this, is when someone is talking at you or someone is not in what we call the social engagement um, system, which is the ventral vagal. So what all that mumbo jumbo, what does that mean? It means that when we as human beings have an attitude an irritation, it's visible. David, when, which you haven't done with me, which is really funny, um, and as long as I've known you, you always have a smiling face, which makes me want to smile and makes me feel safe. But if I was seeing you and I had a back problem and you're the surgeon and you have this frown, like you could crack a walnut in your forehead, right? Uh, among other places, let's I, keep I, I, I considered it a sign of weakness when I actually laughed at your attempted jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just lied. My self-esteem just went down a little bit, but anyway, go That's ahead. All right. That's all right. So when, when, when a patient sees a physician, the, the, the simple explanation is this, our nervous systems read each other's nervous system. And how do we read it? We read it through facial tone, rhythm of speech, even with 
Have we all experienced that when our parents did that to us, like we screwed up, we disappointed them again. And so when a physician or someone in power in the medical field, or even in the allied health professional, when they actually have an attitude, which is expressed in their face, our nervous system picks it up unconsciously. We pick it up through a danger message in this. So basically our nervous system is constantly saying, are we safe? Are we not? And that's called neuroception. Neuroception is basically when when we, our nervous system is saying, am I safe or not? That's the nervous system's job. So when we have a physician, a provider that actually is looking at the computer, typing where I get that, I've been there before. I've been there before where you're just busy, 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 and you've had crisis after crisis and emails after emails. This is no excuse. We're in this field to help people. And right. at some point, we all feel burnt out, right, David? I mean, you went through it. You know, I experienced it a couple of about 10 years ago. And when we experience it, we sometimes forget that there's this human being in front of us who actually needs our expertise. And actually what they need is our compassion. They right. want to basically say is, can you help me? And we need to help them become a prisoner of hope, not in a false sense. So when we say wrong things to them, like derogatory things, like, oh, you got a spine of an 80-year-old, what the hell is that? That is not medicine. That's debauchery. That's terrible. So physiologically, the simple explanation is this. We read each other's nervous system through our facial expression, our tones, our, our voice, and even our words. That's the simplicity of it. Right. So when you talk about um, your beliefs generate the symptoms, is that these thoughts and concepts actually change your body's physiology into fight or flight. Yep. So I'll read the sentence again, but I want to read one more again based on your um, last comment. So it says, you will find that physicians by wrong diagnosis and ill-considered statements are responsible for many a wrecked life. And you'll discover that it is much easier to make a wrong diagnosis than it is to unmake it. Because we're telling, we're, you, you, okay, you, you're right. The doctor is the authority. You believe you're a physician. And we actually know from the neuroscience of consciousness that belief systems with repetition become embedded as your reality. Yeah. That's what brainwashing is. That's why there's so much trouble with religion, politics, and social issues yes. these days, because we believe these things, but they also get embedded in our brain as reality. So that's what happens is so deadly to actually tell a person that, you know, your spine is 80 years old. Deadly is the word, David. Was that? Deadly is the deadly is the word. I'm, I, and I might be getting a little fired up here, so I apologize. <laughs> so I got I got to breathe because I really get so mad um, at people telling my patients, which they basically come to me and say that my doctor said, you know, I, I just need to suck it up. And David, the work that we do, um, we we we're not into pain management. That's a whole different. <laughs> that's not us. We are into pain recovery. And that's why I'm so happy. And that's why I've teamed up with you because a physician like you is truly practicing medicine when you are basically telling people is what they can actually get out of. And that's chronic pain. We can reverse it. We know the science. And the, whenever you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it, right? And oh, so- Can you apply that to me? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a second. <laughs> Listen, don't make me laugh right now. I'm trying to be all serious here. Okay. All right, we're so, but but I'm, I'm really trying to. I'm really my point. I'm really trying to do is, is it threw me off my game there. Um, but what I'm really trying to say here is this: is I really feel really brokenhearted when I have a patient who I have to undo this belief. And right. when I have a patient, I'll give you an example of this. I saw 
maybe I don't know, eight to nine patients today, back to back, nonstop. And out of the eight, about six of them told me that my doctor said, you know, this is there's nothing else they can do. I have um, I have this herniated disc. Um, my tissue is damaged. The doctor does not know why. Um, just go see uh, go see Les. So they get these messages and these beliefs that I cannot get any relief. And so they basically come to me believing they're damaged. And when they come to us, I should say, they we give them that sense of hope, not a false sense of hope, because this takes a lot of work. But it's the communication that Peabody and us that we're trying to say, it really is not complex when you can care enough to care. But physicians especially, they get burnt out. And I feel so bad for them because then hopefully I don't come across like I'm judging them. But I'm just saying as this is, we all are going through this a lot and a lot of physicians and nurses and other things. But when we care we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves because we need to self-regulate. And this is one simple thing I want to say, and then hand it off to you, David. We need to apply our vagal break. And what is that? You use the vagal break, which is your breath. When you actually drop into your breath, if you're feeling frustrated, when you actually just drop into your breath, feel your breath for just a few breaths, you change your reactive response, which then changes your affect, your face. And when you can create messages of safety within you, it will be seen across the person that's receiving it. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to read two more quotes and then actually um, let's take, go through an exercise. Why don't you, if you take me through something, actually calm me down, which is sort of challenging most of the time, but yeah, let's do a little bit of breath work at the end of this. So let me read two more statements, two more statements. So here's the deal. Remember I said that doctors like to wash your hands of patients' issues. Yep. That sounds pretty harsh, right? It is. But listen to this statement by Peabody. Okay. But if teachers and students are liable to make a to take a limited point of view, even toward interesting cases of organic diseases, they fall into a much more serious error in their attitude towards a large group of patients who do not show objective organic pathological conditions, who are generally spoken of as having, quote, nothing the matter with them. Up to a certain point, as long as they are regarded as diagnostic problems, they command attention. But as soon as a physician has assured himself that they do not have organic disease, he passes over them lightly. Let me read the last part again. Nothing the matter. So if a patient has nothing the matter with them, up to a certain point, as long as they are regarded as having diagnostic problems, they command attention. But as soon as a physician has assured himself that they do not have organic disease, he passes over them, over them lightly. So what happened, okay, you don't have a tumor, you don't have infections, there's nothing seriously wrong. I don't have, I don't have liability anymore. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's right, what that's right, right, saying, right? right? Mm-hmm. So as, as harsh as that sounds, that is the mantra we go by. This is make sure I'm missing something. And then, you know, we're, we're done. Our job's done. My job is to make sure there's nothing wrong with you physically. Remember, 90% of symptoms are created by the body's physiology, chemical makeup. Less than 10% are structural problems. So 90% of patients honestly have, quote, nothing wrong with them is actually completely explained. And we'll discuss this in a separate podcast about medically unexplained symptoms. Every symptom in your body is completely explainable by your body's chemistry. I'm going to just read the opening quote again, because this is really critical um, to really understand this, is that disease in man is never exactly the same as disease in an experimental animal. 
For in man, the disease at once affects and is affected by what we call the emotional life. Well, emotional life is just what you're feeling in fight or flight versus safety. If you're in fight or flight, you feel anxious and upset. That's your right. body's chemistry. So what you're feeling is your body's chemistry. So sentient as a barometer of what your body chemistry is like, we just say, well, that's psychological. It's physiological. It's how the body functions. So thus the physician who attempts to take care of a patient while he neglects this factor is as unscientific as the investigator who neglects to control all the conditions that may affect his experiment. One of the essential, one of the essential qualities of the clinicians is interest in humanity for the secret of the care of the patient is caring for the patient. So there's many layers of this unpack, which we're excited about unpacking over here the, over the next couple of months. And there are so many layers to this article, it's unbelievable. And so I'm excited about actually reading this again myself through a different set of eyes tonight and really starting to understand what he really said back in 1927. Yeah. All right, Les, so... <clears throat> I'm a little wired. <laughs> I don't know if you could notice. No I'm kidding. Um, I think the audience is basically pulled back and they're like, what the heck was going okay. on? I'm teasing you. All right. I'm so I, give, give, us, give me and our audience um, some way to relax. Sure. Absolutely. I think more importantly than just focusing on the um, need to relax, how about we just focus on the present moment? So wherever you are, sit up in a dignified yet comfortable position. And if you wish, close your eyes or have your eyes half open with a soft gaze three to four feet in front of you. And as you continue, let my voice allow you to settle down into this present moment, sit and know that you're sitting. Just notice where you feel the breath in the body. If you notice the breath at the nose, then quietly whisper as you breathe in, say in, and as you breathe out, say out. Using a soft mental note, as you breathe in, say in, and as you breathe out, say out. Or if you notice the breath at the belly, then quietly use these soft mental notes. As you breathe in, say belly rising. And as you breathe out, say belly falling. Belly rising. Belly falling. So wherever you notice the breath in the body, just use one of those simple mental notes. In, out or belly rising, belly falling, and just stay with your breath as you notice the flow and sensation of your breath in this present moment. There's really nothing else for you to do except feel that in-breath and then that sinking, melting, letting go breath. There you go. And wherever you are, gently opening your eyes as you reacclimate to your room. The sense the meditation. Thank you. Excellent. I appreciate that. Now I'm too calm and I have to be nice <laughs> to you. I'm not going there. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Um, we're excited to talk to you and um, we're, we really have a lot of passion about this because we have been so inspired by people healing yeah. and I can go through an incredibly difficult clinic and I always come out energized. Because there's always a significant number of patients who are energized themselves, which energizes me. And it's so much fun. So it it's just been a lot of fun. So anyway, Les, thank you. And uh, we will see you in a week. See you, folks. Take care. All right. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine? Speed up your progress on the spiritual path? Then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, 
and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.